Welcome! Thanks for tuning in to this Get Answer special from the team here at Witch. I'm Harry Kind, and coming up really soon on this very podcast feed, we're going to be launching a brand new podcast. And if you've liked our recent Get Answer specials with a whole crew in the studio, then you are in luck. We're going to be answering all the biggest consumer questions impacting your lives, doing so with the help of amazing guests who'll be joining us in this very studio. But first, something a little bit different. Which isn't just about giving you everyday advice. From our inception, we've been a campaigning organisation on everything from product safety to airline refunds to affordable food. But this week sees one of our biggest ever wins, the online safety bill officially becoming law. It's a major fight back in the battle against scams, but getting scams into the bill wasn't easy. My special guests today are Nina Barty and Camilla Eason, who were instrumental in getting that done. We're going to be talking about how which got involved, how they got the law changed, and what's the secret to winning over the government. When life gives you questions, which get answers. Morning, Nina. Welcome to the uh, Witch Podcast. Is this your first time on the Witch Podcast? It is. First time on the Witch Podcast. Finally managed to make my way to the studio in the basement. How long have you been at Witch? Coming up to nine years. Wow. That is a bit of a crime that we've not had you on the podcast, really. Clearly. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's start off with uh, the online safety bill. What exactly is it? Um, Well, I I should think at the the time of broadcast, Online Safety Act. Um, and, And what does scams have to do with it? So the Online Safety Act is the UK's response to a lot of online harms that we're experiencing online, whether that's um, issues to do with child safety, um, terrorism content online, um, unsafe images, but also now um, fraudulent content and activity that you see online. So anything that we're experiencing, being able to see on online platforms that can do us harm and that isn't being checked by online platforms, um, this act is here to bring in responsibilities so that online platforms are checking that content and removing it and preventing people from experiencing that harm in the first place. And so I suppose what which was particularly interested in is that kind of financial harm side of it, uh, where you know people are try- trying to take our money online. Yes, absolutely. So um, you know we've been really involved in trying to tackle scams for many many years, like before the inception of the government even talking about online harms, which was a good six years, seven years ago. Now we were already um, in this space. Uh, identifying that fraud is a major issue in the UK, has been for a really long time and Mm. growing exponentially. Um, And over the time that we've been investigating and researching the phenomenon of scams in the UK, we started seeing that online was a space where it was really being enabled by fraudsters uh, to target their victims, to be able to get this false information out there and to get people to engage with their content, which was actually leading them down into being uh, financially scammed. So... We spotted this opportunity Mm. with this online harms agenda that the government was um, espousing. And we said, well, why isn't scams in there? It doesn't make any sense. If if you're talking about the harms that people face online, how scams is such a missing piece in that puzzle because so many people are impacted by that in the UK every day, every year. It's really, really important that we use this 
potential legislation to get um, better protections for people when they're operating online. That makes perfect sense. I mean, so when it kind of first came up onto the agenda, this this online kind of the government looking to to crack down on online harms was was the kind of financial the scam aspect of that missing in there? Yeah, absolutely. It was completely left out, and um, you know the the kind of approach or the perspective of government was that this is all about us trying to deal with the emotional, psychological Mm. harms that people face with online content um, and not not financial harms. And so we really had to challenge that. That was a whole basis of our engagement with government and other experts to say, well, people are emotionally and psychologically impacted by scam. Scam. When you are financially defrauded, you are often taken on kind of a journey with scam scammers um, in making you believe things, mm. b- uh, gaining your trust, um, taking you down a path, um, which is very involved often rather than just, you know, or a couple of quid coming out your account. It's actually usually a long involved process that started online yeah but can often move into other channels and um, people are really impacted by it by the end it could be life-changing sums of money and whether that's a few hundred pounds depending on what budget you have or thousands of pounds um that you've been saving over many years and it's people's house deposits their pensions their security their families mm. well-being um people are really impacted by it and we really had to demonstrate over a really long period through lots of different types of research as to how this actually impacts people on a fine uh, on an emotional and psychological level as well as financial because i i feel like uh, and, and this isn't uh, you know the government necessarily but the whole country has a little bit of an attitude to scams sometimes and fraud that it's like almost like an oh well never mind almost like almost like pickpocketing or porch pirating where you're not even aware that some money's gone out of your account and it's a small amount anyway and you know should have known better do you think that's something that is felt by a lot of people and is that kind of changing I think for a long time that has been the sort of belief. And I think if you haven't been scammed Mm. before, that's probably still your thought. I think it's people who have either been scammed or know someone really well who's been scammed that they really understand the true realities of it, particularly in the modern age of scamming. Mm. Um, I think the word scam doesn't really help either. It sort of trivialises the whole situation, doesn't it? It sounds like, oh, it's just a little petty con and, you know, you were were duped and, you know, how silly and foolish of you to have uh, fallen for and you know it's and it's not that it's actually such an involved process is um often online scams are what they call social engineering and it is about them really getting into your psyche and understanding that you're probably in a vulnerable situation um and they've really targeted you through the way that you're using content or what you're engaging with to know that actually you're a perfect target for me and you're going to fall for it um and it can play on all these different aspects of your life and as i say it it can be a long involved process covering Uh, days, weeks, months, um, to the point where then you are defrauded and potentially defrauded again, because you've then opened yourself up to a whole world of new vulnerability and exposure to fraudsters. Um, So it's really, really damaging to people. And we shouldn't trivialise it. It is one of the biggest crimes in the UK. Mm. um, And more and more people being affected by it. And it really does need to be tackled. It's interesting, because I mean, that obviously sounds like a like a terrible thing. And it seems like, uh, like it should be like a national priority. But it's talking about kind of crime It's talking about um, people falling victim to some kind of 
the dodgy underworld, which isn't necessarily like a very witch thing. I think a lot of people consider witch as the washing machine and the dishwasher people, right? And if there's campaigning, it's about, you know, seatbelts in cars and and lead paint in children's toys. What what drew witch to scams? Like, and and what's what's the reasoning there? I mean, I I think it was back in 2015, 16, we started really noting that scams Mm. was becoming a big issue for people who were engaging with our content. Anytime we put anything up about um, scam advice, we were noting huge amounts of traffic going to what we were um, what we were putting out. We were noting that through our other channels, people were talking about it. So people were coming to us wanting to talk about scams. And then we started noting that it was bubbling up in other spaces as well. So um, at the time, there wasn't even any national t- statistics about uh, the level of fraud in the UK. Um, that actually came uh, very shortly after, but it was, it was still just bubbling up as an issue. And we were noting that like, this is becoming a problem. And people are looking to us to provide advice or whenever we do they they are eating it up so we knew there was a need out there we knew it was becoming a pressing issue and we could start to see that it was happening in spaces where people would be engaging with markets with consumer services and products and they were actually falling down a trap and getting duped and um and that's where you know it was it was really damaging for people like um and what we were starting to see was that it could actually start to impact people in the way that they were engaging with markets that they should be trusting, yeah. with people that they should be trusting when they're talking to, say, for example, their banks or their energy providers or their telecoms companies. Actually, a lot of these fraudsters were starting to either use the data that they had gotten from places where people have been giving their data to companies in good faith to um to get their services uh, and forces were able to get that data, use it against them, uh, pretend to be uh, uh, people of authority. Um, and so we were starting to see, well, there's a problem here. People are getting exposed mm. through consumer markets, but they're also now going to start losing trust in consumer markets. So if we're talking about the health of the UK economy and how people can engage confidently um, and uh, gain the best out of um, out of a market, well, they actually we need to make them safer and we need to ensure that people are rightly confident. And actually what we found was sometimes people were overconfident in certain spaces that made them more exposed to scammers. And so there's a lot of work that we we had to do in the beginning and um, actually at the beginning it was all about people need to just better protect themselves you need to be hot on all the scams education and awareness and once you're aware you'll be safe and if you fall victim then it's your fault really um, a little bit victim blaming isn't it it's a bit kind of you need to learn self-defense type of tactics i mean it wasn't little victim blaming; it was all victim yeah. blaming at that time and i think that was a biggest challenge that we had at the beginning was really changing that narrative and it was all about you know this consumer awareness isn't going to be enough it's not going to protect people and you can keep throwing all the education out there but actually you're only just going to make it worse because scammers are also looking at all of that education that you're sending to people and they're going to play on that they're going to say oh we're using all the right terminology that people should expect so that they are safe and Actually, it was just exposing people and making them much more vulnerable. And so we had to really demonstrate through behavioural research, really in-depth and Mm. quite smart research to show actually consumer awareness wasn't going to be enough. And we also had to do lots of in-depth investigations to show how actually by just being a consumer operating good faith um, with company systems and processes, you were being exposed to fraudsters. And therefore, we launched our first campaign back in 2016, which was called Safeguard Us From Scams, which was actually putting the responsibility back onto business and saying, you've got systems, you've got processes that are actually weak and 
fraudsters are able to exploit those weaknesses to target us. And we are operating in good faith with you. We think we're talking to you and engaging with you, but we're not. You're actually the gateway to all these fraudsters. And so that's where through a whole load of research, we then started finding that actually one of those enablers or gateways was online platforms and the scam content that you could find on there, whether it was for paid for ad scams um, or other, uh, I guess, um, user generated content that you would find on online marketplaces or, um, or social media platforms or search engines. These were all systems that were being exploited by fraudsters and there were no protections there for you. And actually they were just allowed to put their content on there, mm. um, not be checked. And in a lot of cases, even if you reported that content wasn't taken down or would pop up back again. So again, just constantly being exposed to fraudsters and fraudsters just getting away with it yeah. because you trust the the likes of these well-known um, tech platforms and well-known brands and, um, and you use it every day in your life now. We're becoming more and more uh, reliant on these platforms and yet, uh, so fraudsters and, and and these platforms are basically there's in a way there's not many of them right if you if you look at social media you've got you've got Meta and X previously Twitter and you know the Google space as well being a, a huge area which is everything from your search engine to adverts to to tracking on online providing adverts for other websites and then I suppose the the marketplaces as you said eBay, Amazon, later on Wish.com, AliExpress, and, and now TeamU. I suppose there aren't even many people for you guys to talk to. It is like you can go to them and say, you represent almost 90% of, of where scammers can, can get to victims. Do something about that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And it's and it's and these are the platforms that you're using every day, probably multiple times a day as well. Yeah. Um, and it was exactly that. Like, you know, why aren't you doing more? And the answer is because... The law doesn't tell us to. Like, how do, where do you start on that? We'd all like to change the law, right? We'd all we all say we're like this should be illegal. But how do you actually, you know, start that process? It's a, it's a real journey, yeah. And it's all about, um, and you have different parts of the journey, and that's one thing that we always tell everyone at which you know our colleagues that we're working with but also externally like this isn't going to be you know want it today call for it today tomorrow you get it um actually you have to go through this whole process you have to really have evidence to show where the problem is and why you think the solution um that you that is going to solve all of this is is the right one um, and so a lot of the time, like we had to really start with establishing what the problem was. Like, yes, we can say there are scams out there and yes, it's rising. But why online issues and why online platforms and why this new responsibility? So we knew that um, online platforms are quite a new business model. And our regulations haven't really um, uh, kept up to pace with the digital world, really, in terms of how we engage with mm. markets or services and who aren't even captured in our old standards or uh, regulations. And they've got so, massive, like, almost loopholes that you could drive a truck through, right, of, of a platform not having the same responsibility that a corner shop has over what's inside. Exactly that. And um, they're just seen as intermediaries. They mm. sort of broker you. The middleman. Yeah, exactly that. And because of that, they... Um, and you get loads of benefits. Well, don't get me wrong. Like We are very pro online mm. because we know all the benefits that people can get from it. Um, you are able to get a lot more info, access to a lot more information to products and services and you're able to engage with markets on a, on a, on a huge scale. It's amazing. 
But there are also these elements of it which also expose you to a lot mm. of bad. And that's the bit that we wanted to really crack. Like, how could we make this safer and better? And what we were finding was that, you know, every, we found all these problems as to where the scams were coming from. And then you take it to the platform, you say, there's a problem here. And it's through these paper ad scams that let us show you. They, they say, sorry, nothing to do with us. Or they say, oh, we'll take that down then. Mm. And lots of time, that, that is the law. Like they, the, the current law was that they had to take it down. Um, but then pops back up again. That's the nature of these things. Um, and then it's a constant whack-a-mole. Um, you know, that that was essentially it. And we're like, the whack-a-mole is no longer enough. And actually, by us having already reported it to you and taking it down, that means people have already seen this content. Mm. And therefore, they, people are exposed to it and people could be scammed through that content. So it's not good enough for it to end up on your platform in the first place. This was really a movement of people mm. and organisations who have for years and years and years been, you know, banging the drum that something needs to be done on scams and here are some of the answers for it. We're not saying it's going to, you know, get rid of scams. That's yeah. never going to happen. But we're trying to make it harder and start shutting down some of these loopholes, these vulnerabilities that scammers can exploit. And so what can we do here? And so, yeah, it's it's about really building those relationships. Um, those who, as I say, have knowledge, yeah. but those who have power as yes. well. And so those people with power, they've, they've got, I mean, when, when was when was the online safety bill and, and these ideas, for, when was that first floated that this was going to be a big piece of legislation? I think it must have been 2017. Oh, that's a long time. Yeah. Getting, so, yeah, it's getting on six Six, five, six years, yeah. yeah. Takes a long time. To and make a law. <laughs> to make a law, exactly that. And like, maybe some people will argue it's taken too long. Yeah. But it's probably the first big bit of legislation that we uh, that the government in the UK has tried to put in around online the online space. Yeah. Um, I think it's the first type of legislation of its kind in the world, I want to say, or maybe yeah. one of the first. Yeah. So it's quite pioneering. We, we're often at the forefront of these things in the UK, which is great. Yeah. But it's, you know, in terms of the the issues and the harms that people are facing online, still taking a long time. And like people every day, while well, this, as long as it takes, is people are still being exposed to all of these things. So you've got this law. It's got, I, mean, I, I guess this is kind of like almost um, uh, an open, open, uh, open shot at goal here. You've got an online harms bill coming up. It's got a space which doesn't include like fraud, financial harm, you think this is our opportunity to get some scam law into place. Mm -hmm. What's um, how, What was that process? How did you persuade people to say that this is really important? You know, what were you doing day to day? Um, well, we first thought, well, let's go to the people with power. Yeah. And with all the weight of our evidence, we thought it was convincing like you know we were proving there was a problem we were showing what the solution was we um had all we had were getting lots of media coverage for what we were doing as well we were campaigning for years on this um we thought slam dunk obvious yeah. right you'd think no it was i think uh i think the door was slammed shut for a good year uh we would literally sit in meetings with government officials and they would say no just not oh, yeah. going to happen. Sorry, you don't fit the brief for what we're trying to tackle with this piece of legislation. It's got it's none of the things that we care about. Yeah. Um, you'll have to find another another bill to do this. And we're like, there is no other bill. <laughs> this is the bill. <laughs> like genuinely, this is the yeah. bill, and it's already taken you years to get to this place. Now this is the bill. Yeah. Uh, we have to get it in here, and we have to convince you. But it, it took, I think it was a year of um, really trying and getting nowhere. And then um, two things happened. 
we found another government department that was really interested in this and was more could see our point and agreed with it yeah so we we worked a lot with them to understand what the challenges of the bill were and how we could overcome those points so you know one of the key things was well you can't demonstrate that it has like emotional or psychological impact we can't make that case Right, good, thank you. That's really helpful to understand that's what your challenging government is. Mm. Right, we're going to go and see if we can get you the evidence then. Um, you tell us where your gaps are and we, we're going to try our absolute best to fill it. And we did. And yeah. it was great. We were able to demonstrate the value of the, um, it was very interesting and intricate research. And I'm not sure I totally still yeah. get it, but I know our economists are really good. And they, <laughs> and therefore, if they say it's, it, it's right, then it's right. But we were able to say... Um, that um, you know the emotional and psychological cost and mental uh, well-being cost of the UK population around scams was worth over nine billion pounds to the economy. Um, so that's how much we were losing in yeah. terms of um, of of uh, the impact in terms of people being impacted by scams. It's such a strange thing, isn't it, to kind of try and put a, a price tag on someone feeling uh, like anxious and depressed because of being a victim of a scam. But it, it is what is done across the world. That's how economics works, is you've got to kind of put a, a dollar sign on it. And then you can say this is something that really could be fixed and, and, and has, a, uh, has a net benefit to the country if we can stop it. Exactly that. You're always talking costs and benefits. And that's, that's how governments should do their impact assessments mm. and we've we've got to be we've got to know how government thinks and how government makes decisions and we've got to try to work with that and that's what we do so we have amazing smart people that work through who figure all of those do all that number crunching for us and do all these um groundbreaking pieces of research really no yeah. one no one else is doing that type of stuff that when we give it into government um we're able to make that case and it's usually under the radar because it's you know it's it's really difficult to explain sometimes like i've just tried and probably failed we'd already won the argument yeah that this is a problem but we hadn't won over the decision makers that they had to do something about it through this particular piece of legislation so we found that there were lots of people, and this is where my colleague Camilla really drove the charge here in terms of building a coalition of very different voices who all had the same view um, to make it so overwhelmingly loud that the government couldn't ignore or silence us. And that was really, the I feel like, the tipping point of our campaigning. And, and and what a good time for you to go off on to maternity leave. Is that what happened? Is that around that time? It was. It's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I, I left. I, I, one of my last days was like getting phone calls um, from government officials and from <laughs> like, you know, emails and everyone going, you got it. Oh, Home wow. Pleased. You got it. You got you got we're going to we're going to do the bill. And I was like, are you joking? Like, really? <laughs> Is this happening? And I think even my director was like, are you sure? Are you sure? I was like, because we all thought, we all were told um, right from the beginning that this was impossible. Yeah. Like, we were told it's never going to happen. And that's one of my biggest things that I always remember is, you know, everyone, we had to tell everyone internally as well, like, you know, at which we had to manage expectations. And that's one of the jobs of the campaigns team as well, is manage expectations because we're asking 
a lot of colleagues um, across the business mm. and a lot of our contacts and the people that we work with um, to do major, major pushes on our campaigns. Um, and we don't know, we don't know if we're going to win, but you always put your best foot forward. And I was just like, well, you know, we're going to try everything. We're going to throw everything at this. And if we don't get it, that's fine. We've already told it it's going to be impossible, but hey, we got it. So <laughs> I am, it's one of the proudest moments of my career, really, just yeah. because of how how many times we were told no and we didn't give up. And uh, yeah, it was brilliant to head off onto maternity leave <laughs> with that in my, in my back pocket or my trophy cabinet, if you want to call it. Yeah. Um, no, I'm very, very proud of what we achieved up until that moment. That's such a kind of like, that's such a... Um, uh, almost like Avengers Assemble moment, you know, you you have put together, like, you've found the threat, you've identified it, and finally you've got people to say, yes, we're going to tackle it. But then the work doesn't stop there, does it? Yeah, and right after that, that being a major win, obviously, as Nina's just spoken about, we had another setback, which was the bill was published, and even though we had fraud included, there was a specific exclusion for scam ads. Um, and as you are well aware, scam ads is a major driver of online fraud. So so the kind of distinction they made was um, we will be making platforms responsible for scams that users post. So if I wanted to scam someone, I could put a, I don't know, a Facebook post off saying I've got some gold to sell here, um, you know, meet me down the down the pub or whatever or send me some bitcoin but if i were to buy an advert for that same scam then it wouldn't be included exactly yeah uh, a huge omission in the bill well obviously. i'd say a huge omission it seems like the bit that you'd want to <laughs> ban was there a, what was the justification for that we weren't entirely sure at the time and that was why we decided to push so hard on it um because clearly um, scam ads. I'm sure that's something that most people have had come into contact with at some point. And we've got mountains of research that demonstrates it is one of the key drivers of online fraud overall. Um, so yeah, it was absolutely crucial that that was brought in. And, and that stuff like I don't know a, a pop up coming, uh, you know, sponsored result on on Google or a, or a, a promoted post on Facebook or even like a TikTok advert, right? Yeah, that's everything across social media search engines. And what kind of scams might you what, like how might scammers use those kind of adverts? Well, I guess they're kind of the main because they are promoted across all platforms, mm. and you all you have to do is kind of pay a specific amount of money. And at the time, kind of pre-bill um, or pre these protections being considered, there were very few checks in terms of who was behind the content content being posted. Um, so anyone could really kind of complete a form, pay a fee and have potentially fraudulent content plastered across major websites. Wow. I mean, I remember I used to work um, kind of politics adjacent and so would have to we would get some uh, online advertising on, on Facebook. But to do politics adverts, you had to prove who you were, had to have like a physical address and it was very closely monitored and often the adverts were taken down. And that's because they didn't want people, I guess, persuading you about, you know, political falsehoods. But for when it came to scamming, nowhere near as much kind of scrutiny. No, <laughs> which is ridiculous because we do know that those platforms, I mean, you know, they're some of the biggest companies in the world's world um, with some of the most advanced technologies. So they have the capability to be able to be doing those checks, the preventative checks that the bill will now make sure that they do um, but they were kind of absconding their responsibilities because as Nina mentioned there was no legal responsibility or onus on them to do so and and you know 
they kind of make a bit of money off it. You know, not that they, they necessarily make a lot want of to. money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a huge driver advertising revenue um, of their overall profits. Um, and we've also found through our research and others that um, a lot of the money from scam advertising goes to fund criminal organizations worldwide. Right. So there is a kind of link there between um, crime funding um, or kind of being fed into the profits of these major firms. Wow. So, so it's not just, a, again, a, a well, never mind crime. This right. is like the money spinner for is indeed, dodgy yeah. activity. Yeah. So, and so you've got this um, kind of... Yes, yes, in theory, kind of, yes, we'd like to put a bit of online scams in to the bill. You brought together a team, right, of, of other people with with a similar kind of goal in mind as which. Is that right? Yeah, this was an issue that was affecting a load of organisations. Consumer groups um, were kind of seeing it across the board in terms of their members and people that they were interacting with, but also financial bodies, trade bodies, financial institutions who were having to uh, face customers who had been scammed Mm. and wanted their money reimbursed. But obviously it wasn't their kind of responsibility to do so or they had no way of getting that money back. Mm. So we were all kind of on the same page. Um, And I'm also not mentioning law enforcement. This is a major problem, obviously, affecting people. It's a huge type of crime. Um, so they also were interested in working with us to try and pressure the government to make this change. The way you use that voice to to speak in a way that the government couldn't ignore was very interesting. I, I got slightly involved in this. Can you explain that? Yeah, one of the kind of main things that we did, well, we sort of coordinated a series of activities to try and get this issue on the government's agenda. And like you said, something that they couldn't ignore. And one of the main ones that we did was a video um, that we promoted on social media, but featured um, a witch digivan um, driving around <laughs> Westminster that was filmed that included um, a video a video playing that featured a lot of those uh, organisations and groups. It was like I mean, a 20 foot screen almost, wasn't it? Yeah. Which was just driving around Westminster. <laughs> Uh, with some big faces on it. Yeah, exactly that. And that was um, that was uh, two. It was two. Dear Nadine Doris, who at the time was the uh, Secretary of State for Culture, Media and Sport. Is yes. that right? Digital, Digital Culture, Media DCMS, and Sport. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean that that also shows just how long ago it was. Although it wasn't. When, when was this? This was two thousand. It was. 2022? 2022. Wow, it feels like that's longer ago than, than 2017 somehow. 2021, actually, now I'm thinking wow. about it. it it's, and, and also, you know. Is it not? It was 2022. 2022. It was cold. I remember that because I was out <laughs> filming it. Um, I mean, it's been, um, and, you know, no worries if you don't want to go into this, but it is, you've had a lot of secretaries of state on this, right? It has been. Uh, like I think Matt Hancock was on there at some point. Not Matt Hancock, but no. there, we've gone through a few. Yeah, fair through a bit of. It's a I guess lot of people to make friends with and to persuade. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether making friends is <laughs> yeah. been uh, so, our objective, but of course, but yeah. yeah, that has been a major challenge for us in yeah. terms of the kind of total political uncertainty that has been. Um, taking place over the past few years, in particular with kind of successive prime ministers. A big coordinated campaign to get scam ads included. And were they? They were. Almost immediately we had a response from Nadine Dorries. I think it was the same month. Wow. Um, confirming that they would be bringing uh, scam ads um, within scope of the bill, which was yeah, a massive achieve- achievement and really gratifying. Yeah. And, and so let's talk about, I mean, specifically on the bill then. What what does it include? What is it? What is outlawing? And, and what responsibilities does it give to, you know, the big tech giants? 
Yeah, so there are a number of provisions and measures included within the bill. Um, But the key one that's relevant to us is around illegal content um, and uh, introducing duties and measures that will make the kind of major platforms, like we've been talking about, the ones Mm. that we interact with every day, Google, Facebook, Twitter, legally responsible for preventing, putting in place measures to prevent harmful and illegal content from appearing on their sites and removing it when it does. Um, So that can include... um, child sexual abuse content, Mm. content that incites violence or terrorism, and then key being scams and online fraud. Because it's it's one thing to say, oh, you know, we've got a scheme where we can take down adverts when they're reported as scams. It's a whole other thing to to basically stop them from appearing in the first place. Yeah, and that's that's the absolute kind of key um, set of measures that we were totally focused on. And that's why it was so important to have scams, not just scams included in the bill, but it designated as priority illegal content, which sounds incredibly jargony. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but that meant that um, those preventative measures would apply to that content, as it would to other types of illegal content mm. that results in crime. That's great. So there must have been a bit of, uh, you know, those are powerful people to take on um, the, the you know these trillion dollar companies who you're putting a lot of responsibility on their shoulders. It's a lot of work for them to do. Uh, there must have been a lot of pushback. And how how was did did, did that kind of uh, come across your desk at all? There was pushback, um, but I think for us it came down to a kind of moral and logistical argument, yeah. one of fairness, which is like I said, you know these are enormous businesses with huge profits. We all use their services. We rely on their services. So they do have a duty towards Mm. their users and they could and should be doing more. And while what we're asking for and what this bill will do is, you know, somewhat of an imposition on them, our belief is that they can handle it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've got the you know the brightest minds in the world working on your your programs yeah. to try and make you you know watch another video or click a different link. Put a bit of that work to stopping scams. Also, we're all, always focused on making sure that kind of what we're asking for is reasonable and doable. Mm. I guess that's the key in terms of legislative change. It has to be ambitious and result in kind of tangible actual change, but it also has to be something that can be done and managed by those companies. When when did this finally get through? the final stages of, of becoming law. It hasn't done it yet. Well, I suppose <laughs> not, no. So, I mean, for, for can you guys give a like a summary of how a bill becomes a law? No, no pressure on the uh, on politics in the in the witch office, but many phases. Essentially, yeah. it's in it's published by the government in draft form, and there will often be a few iterations of that bill then before it's presented to Parliament. At which point, it's debated by the two different chambers, so the House of Com- the Commons and then the Lords. Um, and after it's gone through <laughs> a number of different stages of debates and being kind of ripped apart and put back together again, it's then um, passed into law through royal assent. So when it when it was finally, you know, uh, by, by the time royal assent happens, it's done deal. It's gone through, you know, elected representatives. It's gone through the Lords and the Commons. When that kind of final hurdle was cleared, and you knew it was like done, as far as you're concerned, what was that like in the office? It must have been huge. I think it was just a massive sigh of relief, <laughs> <laughs> and just. Wow, take a break, I think. I mean, and that's more Camilla and um, all the legal eagles and the policy teams have been working on this doggedly for the last 18 months. I think it's just, yeah, we've we've done it. We've done the best we can and we've managed it. And, you know, 
I don't think you immediately go woo because you're yeah. just exhausted. Yeah, it is a sheer mental exhaustion, a physical exhaustion. I imagine with all the meetings and um, you know, as you say, the many many meetings that have to happen all the time and constantly pushing out there. And I think, I think it's a very different ball game as well, influencing uh, Parliament because mm. now it's in the hands of many different people. It's hundreds of people who could potentially help um, help this change or or really <laughs> not help this change. Yes. And, you know, take it down a completely different path. So you're constantly p- playing a bit of attack and defence. And it, that's the exhausting part of it. You know, constantly checking to see, is this, is this going down the right way? What do we need to do to sort of overcome those hurdles that come through? So it, it came through, I think it was... A bit of relief. We're still we're still waiting for that royal ascent. Yeah, um, at, yeah. you know, at, at the time that we're recording, and once that happens, I think is when we'll finally feel when that mm. you know pop the champagne at that point. literal or figurative stamp happens. We yeah, that's when we'll be able to all really finally celebrate. And I think yeah. that, but I think it's really key to note that you know once royal ascent happens, that doesn't mean. That's it. Sure. Like online platforms are going to start doing these things. That's that. That's the sort of the real, I guess, beauty and the curse of campaigning <laughs> that you can hit these major milestones. Like, you know, we have changed the law. Yeah. That is a fact. Like, the, the law will be changed. But does that make a difference to you as a person using that online platform that day? No. Like, it's going to have to go through this whole new process of negotiation with regulators who now have to figure out, well, what does this look like? And how do we create these um, codes of practice and rules um, and then engage with the platforms to make sure that it happens? Um, yeah. So there's still a long journey to go. I mean, obviously, huge celebration. As you were saying, the devil on, is in the detail on this. It's not just the law; it's about like how the regulators use it. What's next for for the you know for the online safety bill for for what's in it and, and tackling scams? What, what's kind of your next job to do? Well, we want to mark this moment, obviously. But as you said, um, you know, we need to also make sure that we are continuing to look at how uh, Ofcom's work around the bill and the regulation that will support and prop up the legislation um, is coming along to make sure that that is. Um, it includes the kind of strongest possible protections um, and make sure that uh, the bill is implemented how, how it should be. Well, I mean, that is a great place to end. I'm sure in, you know, 10 years time when everything has been in place for a while, you can look back and almost say you guys and which have have and a whole team of other people have saved people like billions tens of billions potentially of pounds of money that there's people's lives who've been kind of uh, maybe even saved but improved immeasurably and a load of scammers who've not got some cash to be playing around with as a consequences of you know you're, you're fighting over the last seven years basically so it's um yeah something to be proud of so uh, oh, thank you so much for, for coming in and and well done for not just boasting the whole time and, and saying about how hard it was. It was, um, yeah, really useful. And I'm sure people are really interested. So thanks so much. Thanks, Harry. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this Get Answers special. Don't forget, we'll be back with the all new Get Answers podcast. So stay tuned to this podcast feed for that. And don't forget, we've got more answers to all manner of questions on the Witch website at which. Today's Get Answer special was presented, produced and recorded by me, Harry Kind, and thanks again to Nina and Camilla. We'll see you soon. When life gives you questions, which Get Answers.